0: I wanna tell you about an upcoming series that the Lord put on my heart starting next Sunday. It's called The Good Shepherd. And I'm gonna be coming from Psalm chapter 23 or the 23rd Psalm, really. Uh, There's six verses. I'm gonna preach six weeks, one verse per week. And uh, we're just gonna cover the topic, will the Lord take care of you? And I've got good news for you. I'll give you a little uh, uh, cheat sheet, uh, a a little uh, spoiler, if you will. Uh, Yes, the Lord's going to take care of you. We're going to talk about that in Psalm 23. So you won't want to miss next week. There'll be a graphic coming up showing you about that. But uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles and uh, happy Resurrection Day to you, happy Easter weekend. I want to go, the title of the message today is, Because He Lives, I Can Face Today. Today. Aren't you glad that you can face today because of what Jesus did almost 2,000 years ago? Because He lives, I can face today. If you will turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 58. If you've been in church long, this is probably a very uh, familiar portion of Scripture for you. And so I want to uh, read that out of the new King James Version. It'll be on the screen. Uh, But I'm going to begin reading now, and if you'll take your Bibles, open them up, or look on the screen however you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 58 reads, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'd like for you just to hold your Bibles up and just, uh, and just declare this with me. Say, uh, Heavenly Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit. Anoint my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. High five somebody right there on your couch, if you will, and and, uh, sit down, relax, and let the word speak to your heart today. A Muslim became a Christian in Africa, and some of his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? He said, well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down the road, and suddenly a road forked in two directions— and you didn't know which way to go and the fork of the road where two men were, one was dead and one was alive, which one would you ask which way to go? Of course, the one that's alive. And his point was, is that Muhammad is in the grave, but Jesus no longer is. As a matter of fact, John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Aren't you glad that Jesus arose from the grave? As Jesus steps through the veil that separates the spirit world from the mortal world, the heavens stand at attention. The elements of the earth swell as they roll out the red carpet for the one who spoke them into existence. The shroud shroud which his body is wrapped in begins to illuminate as he reenters the earthly realm. That leads me to my first point and that is this. What are the effects of the resurrection in the past? Because, see, the resurrection has an effect on everything, past, present, and future. It changes everything. It changed the world in the past. And that's our first point. What is? What are the effects of the resurrection in the past? Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're already there. Verses 3 through 8 in the NLT says this. I passed on to you what was most important and what I had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. I want to tell you, if Jesus did live and he did die and he did rise from the dead, then there must be witnesses. There must be proof as to how do we know? How can we know? Well, there are several witnesses that I can find outside of the Scriptures that declare very clearly in my mind and I, and I believe historically that Jesus rose from the dead. Witness number one is the calendar. The calendar changed. All of history is now recorded between B.C. and A.D. A.D., I used to think st- stood for after death, but it doesn't. It's Anno Domini, which is in the year of our Lord. The calendar as we know it was divided by Jesus' birth. If Muhammad, Buddha, or Hara Krishna were God, then why didn't the calendar change by their birth? No, folks, it was Jesus Christ. Witness number two was the day of worship. The traditional day of worship changed from the Sabbath on Saturday to the first day of the week, which was Sunday. And you have to understand, for those that were raised in a Jewish culture, that was major, major to change their day of worship. Witness number three was the Jews themselves. Devout Jews of Jesus' day held Passover as one of the highest holy days of the entire year. Yet they abandoned it in favor of celebrating Easter, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So they forsook their tradition, and they celebrated the resurrection again. In Jewish culture, that was major. Witness number four, songs, the songs. hymnology, the earliest recorded hymns of the first century church, guess what they were about? They were about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Witness number five, Saul. You find him in the pages of the Bible. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus. He was the Christian killer turned preacher. Witness number six, the disciples. And this may be the most important one. The disciples died a martyr's death because they would not deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel, the famous atheist who wrote the book A Case for Christ, began studying and attacking uh, Christianity from a lawyer's perspective as if he was a... Uh, putting Jesus and the Bible on trial. And he used his wonderful lawyer and attorney acumen to diagnose and go through, and he said, "I I could reason away just about everything, except for the fact that the disciples and 500 of his closest followers, most all of them died a martyr's death for the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, in my experience as a lawyer, nobody dies for a lie. He said it's what convinced him to go from being an atheist to a Christian. And now in his book, The Case for Christ, he is a profound preacher of the gospel, winning many people to Jesus Christ. Witness number seven, James. Did you know the conversion of James, the brother of Jesus, that he was a non-believer before the resurrection? But it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changed his heart, and he's the writer of the gospel of James. Witness number eight, the enemies of the cross, and this is so powerful. Listen closely. They were converted by the thousands only days after the crucifixion when all of them had access to the tomb. Folks, they were enemies of the cross. If the tomb had still had his body or if something wasn't up to snuff or up to par, they would have been the first ones to deny the resurrection. Yet the very enemies that put him on the cross, many of them gave their lives to him after they saw he really did rise from the grave. Somebody shout amen. The rock, witness number nine is the rock. The stone was moved. Listen. It wasn't just rolled away, it was actually moved out of its track. There's no way people could have done it. It had to be the strength of angels. Witness number 10, the Roman government. The guards that guarded his tomb were never punished. Listen closely. They were paid to keep quiet instead, and you never find a record of the Roman soldiers ever denying the resurrection because they were there and they knew it was true. And witness number 11, last of all and least of all, me. I have been to the empty tomb in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you want, next next year, next April, you can go with me to Israel and see for yourself. I got good news for you, folks. I've been there. I've walked in and out of that tomb four times now in my life. And it is empty. There is no bones. There is no body. He is risen from the grave. Somebody shout amen. Woo! Because he lives, I can face today. I can face the coronavirus. I can face what's going on in the world today. I can face all the effects and all the doom, gloom, and despair. Because Jesus lives, I can face today. Hallelujah. I know that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the grave because my life has changed. Many of you watching, you may not know me. I was a drunkard. I was a marijuana smoker, a liar, a gambler. A perverted luster, promiscuous, a thief. I was going nowhere good and headed to prison or the grave. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he changed me from that old person to a new person. Hallelujah. When I accepted him, I put all my trust in him and he changed me. He created me to be a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Folks, the old Dallas Howard died, and I was resurrected a new Dallas Howard, a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new person with all that old junk buried in that old person, and I've got newness in life. I've got new DNA. I am a child of God, free from gambling, Free from substance abuse. Free from willful sin. Filled now with hope. Filled now with life. Filled now with faith. I have purpose. God has plans for my life and he does yours as well. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, that scripture was written while the children of Israel were in bondage. For I know the plans I have for you during this coronavirus. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Folks, there is hope in God Almighty during this crisis. During this pandemic, there is a plan he has for us. He will watch over us. He wants good for us. He will give us hope. Man, glory to God right on your couch. Shout out hallelujah. He gave me a beautiful wife and children a family. He gave me a beautiful calling on my life. Who would ever guess I'd be preaching the gospel? I know Jesus resurrected from the grave because I've been resurrected to a new life. The resurrection of Christ is greater than your past, folks. Because Jesus was resurrected from the grave, you can resurrect from your past sins, your past failures, your past mistakes. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus Christ does. And no matter where you've been and what you've done, when you give your life to Jesus, it's all in the past. One of my favorite parts of any movie of all time is in The Lion King. When, uh, when Rafiki hits Simba in the head, and, and, and Simba's like, what was that for? He says, what does it matter? <laughs> it's in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've partaken in, whatever you've been a part of, it doesn't matter. When you come to Jesus Christ, he gets you what's called, the Bible says, when you give your heart to him, you'll get born again. He'll resurrect you in a new life. All stuff is gone. Woo! And that leads me to point number two. We know that now what the effects of the resurrection were in the past, but point number two is this. What are the effects of the resurrection on the present 1 Corinthians 15 14 says and if Christ has not been raised our preaching is useless and so is your faith 1 Corinthians 15 17 says and if Christ has not been raised and your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sins of your sins And if Christ did not rise, then our preaching is useless, our faith is useless, and we are still guilty of our sins. But I've got a question for you. I like to question things. If our preaching is useless, if our preaching is empty, if it's all futile, then explain to me why people are still getting healed. Why people are still being set free from addictions like I was. Why people are still being restored by the precious word of God. Why marriages are being restored today by our gospel message. Why are there still miracles? Why are people still getting saved? And why are their lives being transformed? I will tell you why. Because he lives. Woo! Therefore, I can face today. Our faith is useless it's empty and it's futile if, if if our faith, our faith isn't, but if our faith is useless, empty, and futile, then explain to me how millions of lives are changed and transformed just like mine was. The head prison warden in Cambodia was, who helped kill three million innocent Cambodians back during the Vietnam era is on fire for God today and he's the only one being tried in court he says if he, if he dies, he deserves it, but he is fervently preaching Jesus Christ to the entire nation. If God can save a man who helped kill three million people to, and help them help, use him to save other people, what can he do with your and I's life? If there is no power in the gospel, then how was I changed? How was I set free from drunkenness and gambling? And how was I set free from smoking dope and carousing and all the things I used to be? If there is no power in the gospel, then how were you changed? And how were many others changed? I will tell you how. (laughs) Because he arose from the grave and because he lives, I can face today. Just shout with me today. Romans 8, 11 says it this way. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. That word life is zoe. It's animate life. It means to vitalize, to give life, animate life, make alive. That means when we come to Christ, he raises us with true life. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, you're just existing. He is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. And if my sins are still there, and I'm still guilty of my sins, then tell me why I don't want to do them anymore. Why, what took the desires away? What took the craving for the old habits away? Why are so many of you watching people who put off the old ways and took up the new life in Christ? I'll tell you how. Because he arose from the grave and because he lives, I can face today the resurrection is about the past but it is more than that the resurrection gives me victory for the present Colossians 2 13 through 15 says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away then God made you alive with Christ look at that alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins right where you're at just praise God for that He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Aren't you glad he nailed your sins to the cross and took the record written against you away? It's gone. In this way, I love this verse 15. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He didn't disarm principalities and powers for the future. He did that for the present. In the future, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. He did that to give you and I victory for today. Woo! Praise you, Jesus. God doesn't just want to uh, the principalities invading your life to go away secretly. No, 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 no. He wants to make a spectacle of, a spectacle of them. How is He going to do that? By making your victory as obvious as your struggle. I believe God is going to make our victory as obvious as this pandemic and this struggle is. He's going to make our victory that much more obvious. He got, why? Because He gave us victory over addictions, He gave us victory over sickness, illness and disease. He has gave us, given us. He gave us victory over the coronavirus and its effects. He gave us victory over our problems. He gave us victory over broken marriages. He gave us victory over destroyed families and broken finances. He gave us victory over hiding your real self. He gave you victory over living a lie. Glory to God. Jesus Christ has given us the victory. That leads me to point three, and that is this. We've discovered what are the effects of the resurrection on the past. What are the effects of the resurrection on the present? But I got good news for you. There's a third category, and that is this. And this question is point three. What are the effects of the resurrection for the future? <laughs> I got good news for you. you strap on your, your bootstraps. And just buckle up because this, you're going to love this. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. The first man is from the earth, earthy, The second man is from heaven. Thank God for victory in the past and victory in the present. But what about the future? I mean, do we just live and die and that's it? Is there more to life after death? Well, let's go back to our text and examine. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump of God shall sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on or must put on immortality. I will have a new life one day. You will have a new life one day and Jesus Christ will have a new body. It'll be immortal like Christ's body. Hallelujah. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease. There'll be no more things like coronavirus and the pandemic that we see. Glory to God There, all these things will be gone. They're former things. Revelation 21 4 says it this way, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away i got good news for you today god's going to wipe and dry every eye he's going to wipe away every tear the bible says there are no kleenexes in heaven have you ever thought about that why because there's no crying there's no allergies there's no colds there's no coronavirus there'll be no use for a kleenex in heaven on earth death is a daily event in heaven death is never welcomed. We don't need the services of professional grief counselors or psychiatrists because in that city, in that glorious place in heaven, there will be no sorrow. Woo! Don't you want to go there? Heaven is a place where the hurts and disappointments of this world have no more sting, where the frustrations of life are replaced with unspeakable joys, where the pains of life are not permitted and the failures of life are never welcome and they're no longer being control of us. Listen, in that great city that Jesus has prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you and he will come back for us in this wonderful city called heaven for those of us that have given our lives to Jesus. Here's what he says. We will need no more pain centers, pharmacies, painkillers, or prescriptions to fill. Why? Because God guarantees that heaven will be pain free. Now you won't find it in the Bible saying that won't have those things but you will see that there will be no pain in heaven, thus no need for that stuff. Did you ever think about the fact that there are no handicapped parking places in heaven. Why? Because there's nobody handicapped there. Heaven doesn't have hospitals, doesn't have nursing homes or rehabilitation centers. Why? Because the days of aches and pains of any of your bodies and the trips to the doctors and all the stuff that we deal with in this world are forever gone. Why? Because we'll have a new body in Christ Jesus. Philippians three twenty one says this, he will take our weak mortal bodies And change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Folks, I don't know about you, but I can't wait. My body is healthy. I do well usually, but I praise God I got a glorified body coming. Man, there are so many benefits to what Jesus has in store. There are great effects on the past. There are wonderful effects on today that change our today. But we've got a bright, unbelievable future in store waiting for us, for those who have served Jesus, who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. Our future is in a place we can't imagine. One that is experiencing or will experience a love that's incomprehensible. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says it this way. This is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen nor ear has heard. And no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I don't know about you folks. But my mind can imagine a lot. And yet God says, I can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be. Wow, what a future we have in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 56 in your text says, So when this corruptible shall have put on corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Listen, even in death, folks, we are victorious. Did you know that you will never die? Oh, you may die in this physical world. Your body will wear out one day, and you'll take your last breath on earth. But I'm going to tell you something. When you take your last breath on earth, Corinthians tells us to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Did you know your spirit, man, who you are as a person, will never die? As Christians, not only are we victorious in this life, but also in death. We will be resurrected like Jesus was. I love to tell the story of my wife's grandmother, Mamaw. She was dying in the hospital bed, and she was on her last moments. And Holly's sister, Shelley, was there with her in the room. And all at once, she sat up in the bed, and she pointed up. Well, maybe she didn't sit up, but she pointed up, and she said, There's no fear in death. And she lowered her hand, went off into eternity. Folks, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, there's no fear in death. Death is an enemy that's been defeated by Jesus Christ. And in your text, the last two verses of the text that we read, 1 Corinthians 15, 57-58 says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is good news from the graveyard this morning, and that is this. It is not the end. Death in this life is not the last time we will love, we will thank, or we will feel. Death does not have to be the last time you see your loved ones, hear their voice, feel their embrace, kiss their cheek, give them a hug. Because of the resurrection, we have hope to see them again. All we have to do is give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and death is not final. We will be resurrected. Some of us resurrected to life and heaven. Some resurrected to hell and damnation. I want to tell you today, all you've got to do is give your life to Jesus and there is a brilliant, bright, wonderful future. The devil wants to try to get our minds on the coronavirus and all the effects and the doom, gloom, and despair that's worldwide right now. But I want to tell you, if we'll keep our eyes in the heavens, if we'll keep looking under the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews twelve two says. If we'll keep our mind on heavenly things and not earthly things, it will keep us in peace. I ran across this story and I thought it was great. Badger Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin was packed. Over 60,000 University of Wisconsin fans were watching their beloved football team take a beating by Michigan State. I mean, they were getting drummed. What seemed odd was as the score became more and more lopsided, bursts of cheers kept being heard in the stands. Some people began to wonder who these strange people were cheering while their team was getting pummeled. They didn't understand. As it turns out, Seventy miles away from Badger Stadium, the Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals in game three of the World Series. Many of the Badger fans in the stands were listening to portable radios and responding to something else, listen, besides what was happening right in front of their eyes. In many ways, this is a fairly accurate description of what the Christian life is like. We might be in the midst of horrible circumstances and this whole pandemic and all the coronavirus and yet we have something to cheer about because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have a brilliant, bright future, not just in the future, but today. We can see by faith the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Being saved is as simple as ABC, folks. A, admit that you've sinned. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, every one of us. B, believe. Just believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins. The word believe in the Greek means to trust. And the word trust in Hebrew carries the idea of a baby asleep in its mother's arms, resting peacefully without knowing the storm that the mother is facing. Listen, God is not moved by what's going on in the world right now. Put your life inside of his arms. He'll carry you through this tough time. And then see, confess. Confess it out loud, say I've sinned. But I believe you died for my sins and you will come and live in my heart. Let me close with this scripture and we'll pray. John eleven twenty five 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me he who trusts in me, he who places himself or their selves in, in my arms and lives for me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, spiritually speaking. And then he said, do you believe this? I've got a question for you, Bridge of Hope Church, and for those of you watching. Do you believe the scriptures? Do you believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin named Mary? He lived on this earth for roughly 33 years. He died a gruesome death on an old rugged cross. He was placed in a tomb for three days, but on the third day, on the day, on this weekend, roughly 2,000 years ago, he arose from that grave. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he offers us new life in him. I'd like for you to hear my heart. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's just as simple as I said. All you got to do is say, Lord, I believe. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you allow me to do that? I want you to just pray this prayer with me. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, maybe you're listening for the first time. And you say, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Dallas, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do, what to pray. I'm going to help you want you just to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I accept your sacrifice for my sins. I repent of my sins, which means I turn from them and I turn to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Folks, if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you prayed that prayer today, I, I, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to text the word believe to the number on the screen because we want to connect with you and help you get started on your new journey in Christ. There's some steps we'd like to help you out with. You just made the greatest decision of your life if you did that. Listen, hearing this message is one thing and participating today is one thing. But if you accepted Jesus, you've new life. Old things are passed away. You've become new. Everything changes now. All your future generations, everything in your life is going to change for the better now. You've got a bright future you can face today because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. So text the word believe, and want uh, we want to uh, we help you with that. For those of you that are prepared for communion, I'd like for you to get your juice. I'd like for you to get your crackers out. And I'm going to lead us in communion. Uh, It's a special time to to do that. And I'm I'm just going to move this right here so I stay in the camera. But uh, what a great opportunity um, to remember the Lord's death here on Easter weekend. If you're in your homes, I'd like for you, the head of the household, just to serve your family now. Uh, you're the priest of your home, and we're going to take communion now. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, let's just pray before I read that. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that have just given their hearts to you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for saving me. <laughs> for those of you that are saved, I want you just to begin to thank him right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for hope for today and for my future. Lord, I repent of any known sin, and I pray you wash me clean. Make me pure in your sight right now in Jesus' name. And I'd like for you to take your, your cracker or whatever you have and just kind of hold it in your hand. And I want you to think about this represents the body of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been diagnosed with the coronavirus. I want to tell you, he had his body broken. He took 39 stripes on his body so you could be healed. You see this left hand right here? It looks like the right hand the way you're looking, but this is my left hand. This left wrist was broken, snapped in two. I was diving in church league softball for a a ball, and my fingers right here went back here. Everybody heard it crack, just snap right in two. You could hear it crack. you You could see it. The left center fielder, first thing I heard him was, oh, my God, it's broke. My pastor, I was youth pastor at the time, he was a shortstop. We were all converging on a blooper. He started, oh, my God, it's broke, it's broke. I I leaned up to see if I caught the ball, and my hand just went like this. The glove kind of fell off, and the pain started hitting. I realized what happened. And as I laid there, the power of God came all over me. And when the power of God came all over me, God, I felt something warm start in my shoulder and go all the way down my arm. And I got it from that softball field. God healed a snapped-in-two wrist right there on that softball field. I have never had a problem since. I was about 24 years old when that happened. And look at my hand. It still works fine. I'm 45 now. Over 20 years later, I still have not one thing ever wrong with this wrist. God healed it right on the field. And maybe you're sick in body today. Maybe you've got cancer. Maybe you've got diabetes. Maybe you've got coronavirus. Whatever ailment you have, I want to tell you, Jesus took 39 stripes on his body that you and I could be healed. We are healed because of what Jesus did for us. So when you take this cracker, I want you to think this represents the body of Christ. And this is what he said in Luke 22. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, representing his body being broken for us. Wow. Wow. And he said, take this, and he gave it to them, excuse me, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Would you take the cracker? Thank you, Lord, for your body being broken so ours could be healed. Thank you God that the name of Jesus is greater than any other name. He goes on and Holly if you will begin to make your way this way, I'm going to put you on the spot you'll be ready for it. Likewise he took the cup after say, uh, after supper saying, I want you just to look at this before I lead you in this this cup is, is juice but it represents the precious blood of Jesus listen. Many times in the scriptures, the Bible declares and tells us very clearly that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sin away. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Would you take the juice? Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for your precious blood that washes all my dirty, nasty sin away. Oh, the blood of Jesus! I want to ask—we didn't do this ahead of time. I want to ask Holly; she'll just just lead us a time or two through all oh, the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. And right where you're at, I want you just to sing with her. Oh.
1: Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow the blood of Jesus.